Good morning. The scripture reading this morning is 1 Corinthians 9, 16 through 23. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel, for if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching, I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not my, being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's give thanks for this word. Father, we do thank you for this section of your word, and we ask that as we reflect on it for the next few minutes, that you'd give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to understand, and wills to obey, and that we might see Jesus high and lifted up, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, our family had the privilege of first moving to Austin in July of 2002, and we immediately fell in love with her people, with its beauty, with its warmth, with its need for gospel-centered churches. We went on staff at Redeemer Pres in East Austin now and left with their founding pastor, Paul Hahn, after one year. We didn't want to leave Austin, but that was what God had for us, and we went and helped Paul plant a church in Knoxville, Tennessee, and then from there we went to uh, Peru. During the time that Redeemer uh, was uh, getting ready to lose their founding pastor, Paul Hahn, they were wrestling with whether or not they should start another church, and the elders spent hours and hours and hours uh, really agonizing over whether God was calling them to plant another church. At the time, there were just a couple of uh, PCA churches in Austin, and God finally uh, energized them to start what would become All Saints, and All Saints started in 2003, uh, more in West Austin, Southwest Austin, and became a worshiping community then, uh, and as we went to Peru, uh, we were engaged with Redeemer and with All Saints. We came back to Austin in the fall of 2010 and All Saints was going through something similar that Redeemer had gone through. They had lost their founding pastor. And they were wrestling with, what do we do? How do we continue as a, as a group, as a community? Uh, who is God going to raise up to lead us next? And by God's grace, he led uh, them to their assistant pastor, Tim Frickenschmidt, to become the senior pastor. And then I went on staff at All Saints for six and a half years. And they were wonderful years. During that time, uh, we had a group that was interested, as soon as we bought property in southwest Austin, interested in having something in more central Austin. And I remember meeting in Tim's living room with some of you 
uh, here this morning to pray, to plan, to dream, to think about what it would be like uh, to start a new church in Austin. And that church became Grace and Peace. And by God's grace, we called Jay Simmons to be the founding pastor. And Jay did a wonderful and a beautiful job of leading this community in the early stages of her life together. And then Jay left, and you have been stuck with me for the last year. And now by God's grace, he is calling to you another pastor, uh, John Sweet, uh, to lead the way in the next season of your life together, to baptize babies, to marry people, to do counseling, to perform countless services here on Sunday mornings, maybe not forever at Lamar Middle School, uh, but together as a community. And this story is all a testimony to God's faithfulness and to God's goodness to you and through you uh, to many, many others. And so this morning, as you prepare for the next chapter of your life together, I want to reflect on three things from the passage that we just read in 1 Corinthians. I want us to reflect on the need for the gospel to be at the center of your life together. I want us to reflect on the type of community that God is forming you into and calling you to be. And then I want to reflect on the context that God is forming you to be this gospel-centered community. So first, the need for the gospel in your life together. Notice in the verses that we read, the gospel gets repeated a number of times. And the gospel was a word that was a common word within the Greco-Roman world. It wasn't a religious word. It actually was a military word. And it was announced every time that a new leader was coming into being uh, and that Rome was taking over a new province, a new city. Rome was uh, bringing their people to bear into this place. And they would announce, good news, we're here. Uh, Finally, life, joy, peace, flourishing can be yours because we're coming to your city. And Paul, because of Jesus, recasts what the gospel really is. Paul recasts that the gospel is not the message of a Roman Caesar, a Roman Lord who's coming into power. Paul says that there's finally the true Caesar, the true Lord, the true emperor, not of an earthly kingdom, but of a heavenly kingdom, of all the kingdoms of the earth, and his name is Jesus. And Paul declares over and over again that the good news of the gospel centers around the life and death and resurrection and ascension and the sending of the spirit of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is Lord of all that Jesus is the Lord and King and ruler over all things, including the emperors and empires of the earth. And so Paul in Corinthians and Paul throughout his letters calls the church to be a community that centers her, her life around the gospel, around this good news of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. And Paul always calls these communities to embody the whole gospel to the whole person. That the whole gospel is this transformative reality that changes us from the inside out and changes every way of living, not just our religious aspects, but every aspect of our life, our public engagement, our private engagement, how we think about our finances, our sexuality, our relationships, everything changes in light of the gospel. 
there's this vertical dimension and this horizontal dimension, that the gospel changes all relationships. Through the gospel, God breaks down every barrier. He breaks down the barrier between God and man, the barrier of sin that has separated us. And through the gospel, he breaks down the barrier between man and man, these things that we erect that separate us from one another, things like rich and poor, black and white, educated and uneducated, Democrat and Republican. We have the same thing going on in uh, the ancient context in the Greco-Roman world, and the gospel would come in and break through all these barriers in order for people to make Jesus the center of their life together. The worship of the triune God, the worship around his table, a table that's not for the rich, a table that's not for the poor, a table that's not for Jews, a table that's not for Greeks, a table that's not for Romans, a table that is for everyone who puts their trust in Jesus, the Lord and ruler of all. And so friends, as you prepare for the next season of your life together, embody the whole gospel to the whole person. And remember that the gospel is so much bigger than we can ever, ever define it by. In American evangelicalism, we often define the gospel primarily and even at times exclusively in individualistic terms. Jesus lived for me. Jesus died for me. And as beautiful and as wonderful as that message is, that's not the whole gospel. The whole gospel is that Jesus died for the world. He died for this community. He died for his church. He died for his people. And the implications of the gospel are not just individual implications or corporate implications, but Paul, throughout his letters, says that there are even cosmic implications of the gospel, that the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, it penetrates the heavens it penetrates the powers, it dismantles the powers in heavenly places, things that you and I can't even begin to really comprehend. And so remember in your life together that you're called to embody the whole gospel to the whole person. And this is needed, especially in our day and age, because I think oftentimes we reduce the gospel to pretty simplistic terms. I have a friend and he and I converse pretty regularly and frequently about religious matters, about Christianity. And he wants to find God. And he wants to find God in the church. But he says every church that he goes to doesn't wrestle with the reality of a broken world. Doesn't wrestle with the reality of real sin and real darkness, and the need of a real Savior. He says the churches that he, visited, that he visits tend to whitewash these things, tend to focus on uh, the wrong things. And he wants a church where there's a real God and a real Savior addressing real human problems. And friends, the good news of the gospel does just this. So in your life together, don't sugarcoat the gospel. Rather, embrace the whole gospel for the whole person, for the sake of the whole world. Second, grow in what it means to be a gospel-formed community. 
a gospel-formed family. We see this in Paul's letter that Paul begins to mention all these people that he's interacting with, Jews and Gentiles, slave and free, uh, weak and strong. And in Paul's context, the division between Jew and Gentile was so much greater than any barriers in our context. Today in the news, we hear about all of these divisions, all of these barriers, all these things that are happening in our society, in our world, and we say, is there a way for people to come together? And the answer is yes, in this gospel-formed community, in this gospel-formed family. The beauty of this gospel-formed community is that we celebrate our unity in the midst of great diversity. Friends, if you belong to God through Christ, you are one with God, and you are one with each other. Even at times, it doesn't look like we are. At times, it seems like we're all different. It seems like we're all these distinct and disparate communities. Some of us here this morning vote left. Some of us vote right. Some of us love to listen to Rush Limbaugh. Some of us love to listen to NPR. Some of us love to shop at Goodwill and others at Neiman Marcus. Some of us drive big SUVs around and some of us only want to ride our bikes. Some of us shop at Walmart for our chickens and some of us grow our own. We're a diverse community. And the only way that we can be a unified community is as we come to bring all of our diversity to bear in and through the life of Jesus. Only Jesus is big enough to keep the church together. And the beauty of the church is that the church is always supposed to reflect the diversity of kingdom life. In kingdom life, as we read about in these verses, there are many people who make up what it means to be the church, what it means to be this community And good community life is always welcoming more and more people, more and more people that are different than us, not just in terms of our skin color, not just in terms of our political affiliations, not just in terms of our socioeconomic standings, but in terms of just this rich community life of diversity and difference. Not for the sake of multiculturalism, not for a cultural vision, but for a kingdom vision, a kingdom that says that Jesus is forming a new family, forming a new community that is centered around his life, and all are welcome to this community who put their faith and trust in him. So friends, be formed as this new community. One of the hard things of being part of a church community is that people are always coming and going. Uh, We see new people every week, and some of those people stick, and others of those people leave. We live in a city of Austin where people are moving from here, moving to here. So this community is constantly changing, and it can be hard and difficult to be the family that God calls us to be, this community that Paul calls us to be, because we're constantly coming and going. But we have to remember in this new community that there are some rhythms of our life together of welcome, of hospitality, of service that place us in the position to do exactly what Paul's calling us to do, to be the servant of all, 
to love and serve all those who come through our doors. Well, tomorrow you have the privilege of welcoming your new pastor. He officially begins uh, tomorrow. I know that you're excited. Uh, I know that you're hopeful. I know that he's excited and that he is hopeful. And one of the things that I want you to remember about welcoming this new pastor is that he is your interim pastor. He may be here for 30 years. He may be here for 35 years, but he's an interim pastor at Grace and Peace. Because one of the things that we have to remember about this family that God is calling together is that it's existed long before this new pastor ever arrived. And it will continue to exist long after he leaves, even if he leaves 30 plus years from now. I told you the story of our going to Redeemer Austin in 2002. And what's so beautiful is I was called to be the youth pastor. And there are kids in the youth group worshiping with you even this morning that were part of the youth ministry. There are families that are here this morning that were part of that church. There are college kids, or that used to be college kids, that were there at Redeemer that now are founding members of this church. You see, this community exists long before we have dreams and plans for it. Long before people gathered in Tim's living room to pray and to plan for this community, God was at work. And this community exists long after any of us leave it. And so be a community that's centered on the gospel. Be a healthy family. Be willing to engage in hard conversations. Be willing to listen and to learn and to grow and to forgive and to be patient with each other. And then third and finally, understand the context in which God has called you to be this gospel-formed community. In Paul's day, it was the context of Corinth. And Corinth was a city very similar to Austin, a growing city, a diverse city, an entrepreneurial city, a city that was increasingly wealthy. And we're called to embody the whole gospel to the whole person as this community in Austin. And so, friends, don't forget your missionary calling here. This is a mission field. This is a city where God is at work and where God has called you to embody his grace. And I want you to remember two things about living in this city. First, Austin is an increasingly post-Christian city. More and more people come here and they don't have a church background. More and more people are here and they don't identify with a church they don't know how to talk about God. They don't know who God is. They may not even be wrestling with the reality of God. And Paul in these verses says that's nothing new. We're called to be missionaries wherever God calls us. We're called to have this missionary zeal to make God known, to embody his life and love wherever he places us. And Austin is an increasingly post-Christian city is a place where you as a church exist not just for yourself, but you exist for those who don't yet call grace and peace home. And so don't forget your missionary calling. And in order to be a missionary in a post-Christian environment, in a place where you go 
into work and school and sports teams, and you don't know how to talk about God there. You don't know how to live for God there. This is a place where you're formed and shaped week in and week out to be able to do that well. And as you embody your missionary calling in this post-Christian city, it requires great patience, it requires great wisdom, it requires great grace to be able to do that well. And learn from Paul. Learn what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 9, the things that he did, that he became servant of all, that he became all things to all people, that he listened, that he loved, that he engaged this city and this place that was far from God. And he did it in the strength and the hope of the gospel. So remember that Austin's an increasingly post-Christian city, and secondly, remember that Austin's an increasingly diverse city. It's rapidly changing. I was born in 1974. If I had been born in Austin, Austin would have been 13% Latino and about 75% Anglo. And today, those numbers have shifted and adjusted. We're now Austin's about 40% Latino and about 45% Anglo, and we're uh, having the nations come to us. Many, many other cultures, many, many other peoples are calling Austin home. This is an increasingly diverse city. And the church is always called to be bridge builders, to be those that bring cultures and families and ethnicities and races together around Jesus and his gospel. And what an amazing opportunity for grace and peace to be that type of church and also to partner with other churches in our city that are seeking to do that well as the nations come to us. One of your ministry partners is Casa Marianella, and I had the privilege of going there just a few months ago as they were being inundated uh, by refugees from Africa. And what a beautiful opportunity to go into this community that's receiving all these newcomers to our land and to say, welcome in Jesus' name. We're a community for you. We have community life for you. We want to help you plant churches in this place and in this city. And so friends, remember in an increasingly diverse city that it takes great wisdom. It takes great patience to be the type of church that Paul calls us to be here in 1 Corinthians 9. But the good news of the gospel is that he's with us by his spirit to make us, to form us, to shape us, to be this type of people. Well, friends, it's been my privilege for the last year to be your interim pastor. We've had people join this church. We've had people leave this church. We've had babies born. We've had baptisms. We've had folks get engaged. Uh, it's been a fun year. That cycle is going to repeat itself over and over and over again in the next year in the year after that, throughout the life of your church. So as you live and share life together, remember to keep the gospel at the center of your life. Only Jesus and his good news is big enough to keep you together. It's big enough to draw you to this place week in and week out. Keep his table, keep his word, keep his spirit at the center of your life. And only 
his community is a community that you're supposed to build. This diverse community, this beautiful community where people who are disparate and different from one another call each other brother and sister and friend because of Jesus. And do this in the midst of this city, this wonderful, beautiful, yet broken city where so many people are still moving to this place and needing community, needing a home, needing a place to say, I want to be part of a community that loves and serves and cares for each other the way that grace and peace does. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you so much for your life and love among us. Lord, we know that so often we read your word and it is aspirational. We want this to be true. We want to live into this. And we ask you to forgive us for not doing it very well. And we thank you that you've given us Jesus to cover over all of our sins and that you've given us Jesus and his spirit to strengthen us and to renew us and to equip us to be a gospel-formed family for this city. So we pray that these words from 1 Corinthians might be our words, that Paul's heart might be our heart, and that we might do this all in the strength and in the hope and in the peace of the gospel. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen.